Hello and welcome to another Work From Home edition of Queer Talk, a queer podcast that takes a look at positive news stories through a very queer lens. We're all working from home, but we're still bringing you a roundup of positive queer stories. This week we'll be joined by Kieran Evans, a non-binary public speaker and self-taught makeup artist who uses their beauty to spread a message of positivity, inclusivity and equality. We'll also be discussing self-expression and coming to terms with your gender identity and sexuality in a world that quite often is working against you. Welcome to Queer Talk. Hi. Hi. Lockdown is certainly difficult for all of us as it continues. However, we are really grateful to be able to create another episode for you, given all that's going on at the moment. We also just broke the 2000 streams milestone this week, so we just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened and for the feedback. It's really been lovely to hear. As per, let's take a look at some more positive queer news stories. So my new story this week is um, from Gay Times and the headline is The first same-sex couples have successfully adopted children in Finland. Now, back in 2017, Finland passed the laws for same-sex marriage and same-sex adoption at the same time and different people got married um, back in 2017. But only now have the first same-sex males and same-sex female families adopted children in Finland, which for me was kind of concerning. Like I don't know if I'm I'm a bit confused as to whether the process took three years or whether nobody thought about adopting until now, because I imagine uh, in the UK that's something that people had desired and waited for for a long time. I'm a bit confused as to why it took three years, but the families kind of spoke out um, in an interview and praised the adoption team of um, the city of Helsinki for all the support that they had given and the authorities also had been very positive and encouraging towards them. So the process overall actually seemed quite nice and refreshing for them, which is really good to hear because it's obviously quite stressful, especially to be the the first same-sex people in your country to adopt. must be quite overwhelming. How how do you guys kind of feel about that? To be a same-sex couple and adopt, to be the first people in your country to do that, do you not think that would be a daunting experience? What I would say in terms of would I feel a sense of unease or sort of feeling like I was under the microscope, um, I'm going to say no. And the reason why I say that is because you would hope that the individuals who are out there trying to adopt or being one of the first to adopt is kind of irrespective. I would hope that people who are adopting are adopting because they want to be able to support a child rather than doing it for the glory of being the first to do something. And I think that, or I hope that, the couple here just want to support the child. Yeah, they've asked to be anonymous. Is that not right, Spencer? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that kind of tells you everything about that, doesn't it, really? And that they kind of, for them, yes, the process has taken a period of time and they are the first ones to do it. But having said that, you know, they just want to be able to make a child happy and bring them into a loving family. I think that's a a good point is this couple clearly wanted children. They've gone through this long process of adopting a child and now they just want to spend time with their family. They could have chosen to be more public about it, taken on the mantle of the cause and become an activist family. But that's completely up to them, you know, because being the first person to do something like this means that you will always be seen as kind of like the figurehead for that cause. 
Yeah. And that's a lot that's a lot of responsibility to take on if you just want to have a child and raise a kid. I think it's just a beacon of hope for other people. I think like, you know, once one family does it, it starts to become more normalized because obviously this is this is a new thing for Finland. And so as it becomes more normalized, hopefully more and more same-sex couples will choose to adopt. It could have a very positive impact on children in the care system, you know, that, that maybe haven't been given the best start in life. Just one thing to say, though, is that, you know, Finland is a, a Scandinavian country and they're known for being relatively social and relatively good when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community. I am slightly surprised, I would say, that it's taken so long for that to happen. But at the same time, I'm glad that it's happened because obviously it's another step forward in terms of, as you say, Spencer, normalisation of same-sex couples being able to adopt. They they mention later on in the article that they're aware of their family's special status. So I think they're actually quite grateful for, for the ability to adopt. Um, but they, they mention that they're still an ordinary family and they rejoice in having a normal baby routine. So I think what I was saying about like, do, do you think they would feel, well, do you think we would feel overwhelmed being the first in the country to do that? I think they're just... Um, happy to to live an ordinary life and you know have have a routine with a child and um just because they want to stay anonymous now doesn't mean in the future they will absolutely that that might also be to protect the child you know because um there could there could be a backlash also from this especially if it's so new to a country and i think uh, if there was a backlash you would you'd want the child to kind of remain protected and anonymous and stuff so i think i think that is uh, healthy definitely. Helsinki confirmed also that other same-sex same sex couples were currently going through the adoption process so it's nice to see that it's moving on quite swiftly. The article ends, I wouldn't say on a positive or a negative but kind of on a, on a statement that we definitely need to take into consideration is that same-sex adoption is only legal in less than 30 countries in the world and I believe there's like 195 countries in the world so that's actually quite quite mad if I'm honest like there's there's a lot of work to be done you know I think we often um, champion same-sex marriage at the forefront of like the LGBT fight I think that's very much what kind of makes headlines and stuff more often than not but same-sex adoption definitely is something that we should be championing and kind of fighting for Um, so yeah but I'm, I'm really glad to see that these families are being able to take part in something that's so special um having children whilst you two may disagree <laughs> I think is very uh very exciting very heartwarming and I think um yeah it's exciting to see that uh Finland are kind of taking a step forward with this I think the important thing is to note that Finland is an LGBT friendly country we're talking about legalizing same-sex marriage and say and legalizing adoption but the important thing is also to reduce every single social barrier for parents who want to adopt. Like it's no good having uh, adoption be legal for same-sex couples if it takes seven years and it's really difficult to adopt because then it's going to stop people from doing it. So the article that I found quite interesting is uh, one about raising funds during the pandemic. Uh, A group of bisexual activists have raised over £20,000 for a COVID-19 fund, uh, which is to raise money for marginalised LGBTQI plus folks, so those who are um, at the forefront of the impact of COVID-19. 
It was raised by a, a group called London Bi Pandas. So that's bi for bisexual, not for buying pandas. And they're a group that was set up last year um, during Pride in London uh, to make sure that there was, an, there was bisexual representation uh, during Pride. And they've continued to be an active group in London and they've raised money for COVID now. But previously, back in November, they organised a solidarity demonstration in Soho where they showed support for the trans community. It's part of a kind of protest against a trans-exclusionary group that formed at uh, the tail end of last year. Um, so they're continuing with their activism by generating funds for people in hardship at the time at this time during COVID-19. It's quite extraordinary that they've managed to raise £20,000 just from community funding. So there was no public or corporate funding from here. It's purely the sheer, sheer activism and will of these amazing individuals um, and they've raised this money. The fund closed uh, at the end of April. So now they're opening it up for people to apply for grant funding from them. So anyone who could do with a bit of extra money, some funding, who people who have lost some income can uh, reach out to the London by Pandas group to see if they can get any support. So I think it's just, it's, it's really amazing how the LGBT community can get together um, to support each other. Yeah, definitely. I think raising money now is I think it's quite difficult I think people are feeling more generous because they're aware of the issues going on the generosity of our community always kind of shows in times like this where people are like okay this is serious how can we help like our community and our group Um, and that's shown here like 20 grand is a huge amount of money that's that's crazy so it's it's a massive amount of money to raise especially for such a a new group they're definitely a group to uh, look out for in the future so gaining more and more popularity through this amazing activism work. But also it's great to see that bisexuality as uh, the sexual orientation is in the news because it really does not get much of the limelight when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community. And I know that when I've spoken to people who identify as bisexual in the past, they often feel as though they are part of the invisible group within the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really great to see that part of the community getting some news. Uh, finally, it's, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's part of their mission statement is to increase the awareness of bisexual issues. Hence why they're called Bi Pandas. I did some research into their organisation and the reason they're called Bi Pandas is because actually... They're saying that a lot of bisexual people aren't very confident in romantically, and that's something that pandas also do. So it's kind of a pun on that. And also, they are a group of activists who represent bi plus, not just bisexual people, so including pansexual people and that whole spectrum uh, in between the straight and gay world. So the London bi pandas have raised this fund to specifically support highlighted marginalised groups, uh, including trans plus and non-binary people, migrants, bisexual people of colour, disabled, homeless, elderly, those living in poverty, those uh, with loss of income, sex workers. Uh, They've got a long list of uh, what they define as marginalised groups. So they're really trying to target um, those in the most need of help which I think is a very admirable um, cause. Yeah, it's really important. And I think to to list all of those marginalisations is, is important too, because saying, oh, we'll help marginalised people is one thing, but 
for like sex workers for example may not feel included mm-hmm. in that especially a, you know a bisexual community group the sex workers may not feel that they're, they're entitled or even you know on the same page as, as bisexual community in this case so I think it's important to kind of list marginalizations so that people feel or know that they're part of this and that they're being reached out to and looked after that's a very good point because if you had just written marginalized groups it's very vague um, and it doesn't really bring much visibility to each marginalized group so the london by panda group is hoping that from the success of their community fundraising that it will inspire other groups to also do similar projects to raise money for their local um, communities so I think we're seeing a lot of this happen in London and maybe across other cities where organisations are raising actively raising money to support uh, either their charitable causes or actually widen that, that mission statement to support everyone who is in need. I see it as well with uh, my work with Pride in London is we've opened up a community fund which will also do something similar to what the Buy Pandas are doing where smaller LGBT charities and organisations can apply for grant funding from directly from Pride in London. So that should be opening up soon, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of other organisations who are also offering those kind of support. And it's really just about trying to make sure that everyone who needs help can access it and know that there are these small pockets of money that they can reach out for in these times. Amazing. So my story isn't necessarily queer news itself, but it's more so celebrating the successes of folk from the LGBTQ plus community. So on April the 30th, Sasha Coward and Dan Vo presented hashtag museum from home on BBC Arts. And some people might think, okay, but why is that news? Well, Sasha started to do his first hashtag museum from home on March 16th as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. Pre-lockdown, Sasha created escape rooms and also did history tours around London and Dan had also done some work for the VNA uh, here in London. However, like most people in the current situation, Sasha had to adapt and he did and um, his Museum from Home project was picked up by the BBC and on April 30th he and Dan presented for BBC Arts and the hashtag Museum from Home became a number one trending hashtag on Twitter and their guests included talks from all about uh, the Vagina Museum, the National Mining Museum, the Natural History Museum and the Museum of Homelessness and like I say I appreciate it's not necessarily queer news itself but I thought it was just a good example um, similar to the previous episode with um, Eurovision again just trying to put a bit of a spotlight on people who um, have had to really adapt to the current living situation but something really amazing has come out of it and I know that um, Sasha on Twitter and Dan as well kind of uh, once it had all finished they were just so humbled by the experience and I've seen you and I both know Sasha and it's just really nice to see people that you know stick with something and see it become really successful so um, you know sort of round of applause to uh, like Sasha and Dan and also everyone else who was involved because yeah I just think it's fabulous that they managed to do that and um, that it's providing more entertainment uh, more education to everyone during lockdown because like it's, it's just good <laughs> you yeah, know I, I love uh, Sasha's videos on Twitter because he looks like he's going to run out of breath He's trying to pack so much information <laughs> into one clip, and I love it for that. Bless him. Um, and I've seen Dan do a talk during LGBT History Month, and he's so smart. Like, he knows 
so much about about queer history uh, surrounding artifacts. He'll find an artifact in V&A and then we'll tell you everything queer related about it. And he runs those tours so well. And I was going to go to one, but obviously lockdown happened. Yeah, it's, it's great to see both of them being able to adapt and do well uh, in this new virtual, new, new virtual world. Yeah, it was, it's very exciting. I was, I was actually watching them all for like tips on how we can kind of bring more energy because we're, we're quite, uh, I think we're quite calm in the way we speak. I think we do energy. get quite excited, but I went, when, I mean, those 60 second clips explaining things, I'm like, I have to watch it like three times in order to keep up with what's going on because they, they have so much energy. They're so excited about what they're doing. Obviously, if Queer Talk was 60 seconds, maybe we would be a lot quicker should we instead do, of 60 minutes. Should we, uh, <laughs> should we do like a mini episode where we do news articles, but quick fire? We get one minute to tell seconds. you the article. Listen, James would love that from an editing perspective. It would change his life. I would, I would live. I would live. Please, just down a Red Bull and then do your news article. And I'd be like, oh, God, all I need to do is like top and tail it. I'd be like, guys, it's done. Listen to it. It's all ready. We should do it on our Instagram story. Uh, queer talk in 60 seconds. <laughs> you could do that. Oh, God, we plagiarizing this idea. Sorry, Sasha. Yeah. Thank you, Sasha. <laughs> This week, Spencer spoke with Kieran Evans. Kieran is a public speaker and equality, diversity and inclusion advocate. Whoop, whoop. Hey, Kieran. Hello. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm super excited for this conversation. You've you've got a lot of energy today, um, so I'm re- I'm really ready for do. it. It was a crazy. <laughs> it was definitely the coffee, and, and also and... being cooped up in a house with. Oh virtually no one else so and what about those bourbon creams did they have anything to to play they might have had a small impact but at least i didn't demolish a whole pack of i don't know 20 or so not this time not this time on this not this time but next time (laughs) next time always so tell me a little bit about yourself tell us your pronouns and what you do so i'm kieran my pronouns are they and them I identify as gay and non-binary, and I am an LGBT activist. So I did a little bit of digging into your social media, which I'm sure you'll love. Became obsessed and then asked you to come on the podcast. And the message I found you project most often is that as LGBT people, and particularly you address non-binary people and trans people, you suggest that we should all try and live best as our authentic selves. Now, we both know, being part of this community, that that is quite a big struggle for many people, depending on their living situation or their mental health. How how did you reach this point? Have you lived as your authentic self since day one, as far back as you can remember? Or, you know, was this something you had to kind of come to terms with? So the way to sort of answer that really is, what is authenticity? So if you look at the word authenticity, it means staying true to yourself and being genuine, keeping it, keeping it 100, put that emoji in there. Um, <laughs> um, for me, um, it's been a journey. I've not always been authentic. And I think a lot of queer people can resonate with that. And what I mean by that is, if you look at social media, for example, that's had a great impact on everybody and I think for me it's particularly had an impact with me coming to terms with who I am as a person so I've been identifying now as non-binary since maybe 2017 so about three years now I I, I think I really don't keep a timestamp on anything no I definitely wasn't being my authentic self I was trying too much to be like everyone else and 
fit in with inverted fingers. But I'd say in the last three years, yeah, I've definitely found more of myself by doing things that aren't expected of me and sort of figuring out or navigating how that kind of plays out. When I first began identifying as non-binary, my exposure to that was hey, you can be queer and you can do this. You can use the word queer and it means this. It doesn't have to mean something negative that other people would, or most other people would take offence to. Because again, it's one of those things, obviously it's down to the individual. For me, when I started becoming more authentic, it was taking a step back to think, let's start from like the beginning, I think is like the best thing to do with me. So we've covered what authenticity means. Authenticity means living your true self and being true to who you are. The way that I came around that was realising to myself that things didn't sit comfortably with me in the way that I was identifying maybe three years ago. I was surrounded by people that had expectations of me and uh, that that was mostly in my job actually. So I worked in retail and they wanted me to look the certain part. They wanted me to be a certain way that if they, if I wanted a career in this, I'd have to conform to these certain things. And it really just didn't sit with me. And the friendship circle that I had were mostly cis women. And they, in a sense, inspired me to venture out there more and question labels. Having friends who work in makeup is great because that was, for me the first step into venturing in that. After watching shows like RuPaul's Drag Race, having people on the show who identified as non-binary, such as Miss Fame, she was my first sort of exposure to that. I think the moment that I saw Miss Fame on TV talking about their identity, following them on social media and YouTube and how they self-identify as non-binary, definitely got me questioning myself. And I think that having that plus, I don't know, having friends that would do makeup that for me were the two things that that I wanted to really get into more and sort of go down this path of my own and figure out what what that means for me for being my true self and that for me was the beginning was makeup I've always been interested in makeup seeing them do things and the transformations and seeing how people get more confident with that so yep but that was also challenging in itself because where I live is very very conservative and the business that I worked for at the time didn't want me giving off that image to customers so there was a lot of inner conflict Mm. between okay I want this to be my career but also I'm really unhappy back three years ago I was very very depressed and that had a lot to do with the fact that I wasn't being able to express myself so fast forward maybe like a couple months on from that I left my job and I started to delve more into my creativity, wearing makeup, wearing clothes that were different. So shopping on like sort of both sides of the store. H&M has been a fantastic, if we're allowed to drop names, I don't know if we Absolutely. are. Absolutely. You drop all okay, those names. Okay, fab. <laughs> we're dropping names then. So H&M are fabulous. Um, I mean, they have some things, you know, they are questionable yeah. as a brand. But, you know, when I'm looking for clothes on a budget... Yeah. They were there. And yeah, I decided, I don't know, I just sort of decided one day that, no, I want to I wanna go and explore different fashion trends and how I kind of threw everything out of the window. And if I liked something, I liked it and I wanted to go try that on, for example. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And yeah, it's taken me a long, long time to get to where I was. The makeup skills have definitely developed since then. 100%. Um, the wardrobe has expanded and I'm much happier within myself, but it hasn't come at a price of losing friends, losing a career or changing careers and facing the reality of what it is like to be a non-binary person in Britain. It's very, very challenging and it's getting worse, in my opinion, but people are becoming more knowledgeable. Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting. I followed a similar path more recently in that since I've broken free of where I was brought up and where I was kind of uh, my my home. And then now I'm I'm in a space where like I'm free to be myself. So like I've also ventured into makeup, you know, you start off looking in absolute state, but you feel good for it. Like you feel yeah. good that you're you're doing something and you can watch a video and you're a part of something and it, it transforms how you look because the person you are not in makeup. You look the same as before you came out. And I think it it kind of takes you back to a time or a place or a space that was very difficult or, you know, holds a kind of significant part of your journey. So for me mm-hmm. to get dressed up and wear makeup and just be like, do you know what? I don't give a fuck today or this week. It's really empowering. And for other mm-hmm. people to see you express yourself in that way, I think I think it is part of what what it means to be queer and that's not to say that every queer person should be a certified MUA. I think being able to wear clothes because you like them and not because you're supposed to wear them or not supposed to wear them is is amazing. And like yeah. that that to us seems so like kind of rebellious and exciting and in reality clothes shops are there to make money not to separate the queer from the straight and the cis from the you know, non-binary. At the end of the day, if you could buy every item of clothing, that would work for them. So it's. I think that's exactly it. Um, and like again, I think it's it's something that should definitely be touched on. Is that you find different ways to be your authentic self. Yeah. Other people may not turn to makeup to feel as though that they're living their true life, and that's just something that I think is very important. That for me, as a non-binary person, I'm not who I am just because I wear makeup. I'm also the same person out of makeup. Sure. But it's finding things that sort of give you that extra confidence in being yourself. Yeah. I think that's, it's all very positive. Is there anything else you go to to kind of escape from reality? Not not that makeup is an escape from reality, but I think it very much, it's, it's a place you go to when you're feeling good or to make you feel good. So is there anything else you do to kind of escape? Oh, 100%. So 
if you know me, I'm I'm a huge geek. I love gaming. And I mean, I could go on for ages about like random games that I play. I'm really <laughs> into role-playing games. They're into role-playing everyone. Um, <laughs> only if it's online. But yeah, role-playing games, I am obsessed with them. Anything that I can play that has a strong female lead, I am instantly drawn to. I am all there for strong independent 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 strong independent <laughs> woman of power i just yeah i'm fully obsessed with it so i spend a lot of my days playing um i don't know at the moment i'm playing assassin's creed although i'm not playing a female role i am living my gay fantasy through that <laughs> in the beautiful grecian islands but games that i do play a lot and that i'm drawn to like straight away comes into my head batman not playing as batman couldn't couldn't care about the rich cis billionaire in his tower no i want to play as catwoman i want the body i want the boobs i want the ass i want to cartwheel into someone's face yes and and you know just cause some drama she's in it for the drama and i just love that yeah (laughs) i i i really love just escaping through that because i think for me i think growing up i've always found female role models who have influenced me in some sort of way i've never really connected with cis male characters they're always quite boring always like i don't know trying to cause fights and stuff and it's really not me and the way that i'm able to further express myself is through the power of video games yeah it's definitely more of like an extension of who I am because I'm never going to have, as Monique Hart would say, I do not have that ooh-ah-ah sensation. Ooh. But on, I don't know, fighting games where I want to flick a fan at someone's eye, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going <laughs> to do that. I'm going to have that moment. I can't do a cartwheel, but right now I can on this video game and I'm going to I'm gonna get my shush. You know what I mean? So, so, so we can cross you in real life, but in the gaming world, we need to stay well away. Oh my God, yeah. So I'm, I'm... going to hand it to you. <laughs> Talking about getting dressed up, doing makeup, expressing yourself. Where do your inspirations come from? You mentioned Miss Fame on Drag Race, really inspired you in terms of being non-binary and exploring through makeup. Who are your other inspirations? Maybe not just celebrities, but maybe people on social media. I think, so there's there's another key influencer, I shall say, and that's Sasha Vlaw. The work that Sasha does for the community yeah. is, is incredible. Um, they've taught me so much about how to be me, how to help others. And they're stunning at the same time. Look at look at their Instagram. <laughs> oh my gosh. At Sasha Valor, go follow. Go. <laughs> um anyway, no, Sasha Valor is like the other celebrity figure we'll say that has greatly influenced me. Having met them three times, each wow. time I almost die inside. <laughs> but it is iconic. It is for the mo- it is the moment. Um, but no, other people that do inspire me are my queer family that I have around me. Shout out to the Birmingham Queens. Absolutely obsessed with you all. Yeah, my queer family inspire me a lot. Being surrounded by drag performers and other trans or non-binary people alike, they all teach me something new about how to be me and how to better the lives of other people. And I treasure them a lot for that. But yeah, my Birmingham family are treasures and they always continue to inspire me so they they obviously accept you and and kind of encourage you to be who you are um in terms of your coming out experience coming out as gay did you have a negative or a positive experience i suppose coming out as 
gay was probably one of the harder things to do because I sort of had two coming out experiences. I prefer the term opening up to people. Yeah. Because I feel as though that coming out is almost like, I don't know, it has more of a tone of deceit to it. That's sure. just my own little thing. But sure. yeah, when I first came out as, as gay, it was difficult. I mean, I came out as gay to my friends first. So my closest friends at school knew when I was year 10. Year 10 is when I came out to my closest friends. Um, and then slowly I came out to other people. I didn't come out to everyone when I was at school because I didn't want the negative experience that was attached to that. I grew up mostly in Oxfordshire for six years. So, and my sort of exposure to LGBT at the time was always negative. I mean, sex education for me was horrendous. I mean, I was being taught that gay sex was HIV still in that sort of time frame, which was not that long ago. But I didn't want to come out at school purely because of the experiences that I'd seen other openly queer people at school had gone through. So some would say relatively young, you know, it's it's always your choice as to when you decide to come out. It's never too late or too early as long as you are happy within yourself. That's what is important. And for me, I felt as though that was the right time. Friends began to know, other friends began to know. And that was that was kind of it, really. I was just embraced by everyone from, from that moment onward. My sexuality has never really been the outstanding thing that I've had thrown at me only until I moved to a much more narrow-minded town that is very conservative I'd get people calling me faggot walking outside completely unprovoked in my opinion I was just walking to the shops but I must exude just so much faggotry about myself honestly um honestly and this was all prior to me discovering who I was as a non-binary person so sort of fast forward a couple of years past that maybe four years and my sort of coming out experience as non-binary really wasn't anything special I mean I'd I kind of led up to the point where it all sort of began with the changing of my name so I wanted to change my name for a long time my previous name was Kieran K-I-E-R-A-N and all I did was take the E out because Kieran is gender neutral. I have a friend called Kieran and her and I get along so well. Actually love her. And we sort of became friends because everyone kept mispronouncing her name as Kieran and I was the only one that knew the difference. So the changing of my name was probably the biggest thing because people had quite a lot of expectations like, oh gosh, what's it going to be? We don't know what it's going to be. I'd never really sort of given an idea as to what my name could possibly be. Yeah. And to say that people were disappointed, I would say, yeah, people were quite disappointed with the fact that I didn't go with something crazy, but there we go. It just is what it is. So yeah, changed my name. And then I started exploring more about my gender, wearing makeup and stuff. And everyone just sort of treated it as normal in my family. If they have questions, as anyone, as I say to everyone, if you have questions, I'm an open book. Like you can ask me anything, just know where a line is and time and a place. Yeah. I'd say it's, it wasn't quite a crazy experience for me coming out. I think it was more, more social transitioning that was the difficult part. Um, was sort of every day if I wanted to put a face on and go out that was probably the biggest challenge Yeah, because I was terrified about just public reactions especially as I sort of said where I live you don't see people like me there's barely any LGBT representation the more I did it the more I got confident in myself and the more that I just stopped giving a fuck about what other people thought Yeah, and continued to surround myself with people who have the same energies as me and that's how I definitely became happier within myself and more confident yeah I I feel like I did a similar thing so I grew up in North Wales in a smaller town and I didn't know anyone else that was gay when I was when I was there and when I was coming out and stuff and now it's interesting to see people that like on me or like called me out on being gay 
have come out since and I'm like oh congratulations that where's my apology bitch yeah like literally (laughs) like please yeah it's interesting but since I've discovered like different fashions and clothing and makeup when I go back home now I'll get dressed up I'll put my face on and I'll be like right we're going out for dinner most people don't care and and we read stories way too often about the people that do care and the people that do react and I think you know those little messages of people random happens in the weirdest of places like you turn around someone's like you you look great and I'm like hmm are you talking to me but they Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's sweet so yeah I think it's helped me solidify like who I am like you said and I haven't given people the kind of option to you know do you or don't you accept me if they want to have that conversation they're more than welcome if they don't accept me it's not my problem I I think as soon as you have that mentality of you are not the problem because you aren't then more power to you it's just other people have their own journeys to go through and self-reflect why am I feeling that way why do I feel this sort of particular disgust or discomfort with a person who is very much polar opposite of who I am yeah it's it's their journey to go through and no queer person should take that on board for themselves that's not your burden to carry times are changing slowly yeah and we should definitely celebrate more of the positive moments so um just to rewind a little bit one of the most pressing stories that has just come out this week is about liz truss who is the minister for women and equalities and she has revealed a three-step plan to reform the gender recognition act which has just sent everyone into a little bit of panic and meltdown so one of the points she made was to protect single sex spaces i.e toilets changing rooms etc etc which you know is is an ongoing debate in itself about whether we should have gender neutral and a lot of people feel uncomfortable with but obviously um that comes that comes from i think this kind of idea that they're going to get attacked and i think it's it goes without saying that the majority of trans people just want to use the the bathroom in safety rather than to go in there and attack anyone else but it's it's incredibly i think that's the main kind of message that seems to retaliate the argument for for gender neutral bathrooms um which is quite it's, it's just a bit of a shambles then she makes another point about um everyone being transgender adults being free to live their lives without fear of persecution which seemed pretty fair but then her final point was that she wanted to make sure that under 18s were protected from decisions that are irreversible in the future now when i read this i was like okay fair like i've i've seen both sides of the argument and i understand that children are children and i think completely that they they know just as i did with my sexuality i think they become very aware of gender and they see it and they hear it and whatever else I think you know to dismiss their their thoughts and feelings and especially their their kind of well to dismiss their gender is very problematic but the idea of you know a 13 year old having an operation is is quite distressing because that's that's a a huge choice to make so I I was like okay this doesn't seem too unreasonable I looked into the process and from what I've read and from what I believe and this this could be incorrect is that trans children or trans under 18s can take hormone blockers up until the age of 17 but they can't undergo the operation so only when they're 17 can they be referred to discuss the operation and apparently there's there's around an 18 month waiting list and kind of process and it it takes a long time by which point they're over 18 they've made a decision they've been through different um, consultations and meetings and they've been through a long ass process basically for me that already seems like a compromise now I still don't think that caters for trans 
people as much as it could. But I think in terms of the polar opposite where she's trying to revoke trans healthcare for under 18 year olds, I think it's a compromise. And that's already in place. This isn't something we're working towards. This is supposedly how things are now. It's very misleading. And as a result, trans people who are aware of the process are now very worried that their medication stuff is going to be taken away. And as we both know, suicide and self-harm rates in the trans community and non-binary community and the LGBTQ community are horrendously high. And it's something that we're all very troubled by and that we try and tackle every day. What what kind of advice would you give to people to kind of process this and like, you know, what, what can you do now? And also, I know a lot of your work kind of looks at how we can be better trans allies. What can we kind of do to support this and to kind of feel more comfortable in the situation? I appreciate it's it's not a comfortable situation to be in. Sure. Yeah, there's there's a lot that is happening. I think, you know, with the fact that you have a cis woman who is in charge of directing how trans people live their lives is incredibly wrong. Mm. It makes me question whether Liz is seeking out resources by trans people. For me, that is the most logical thing to do. Yeah. Then again, look at the times that we live in when there's an <laughs> orange in the White House. But yeah, I, I think as well the fact that Liz has stated that the very first thing that Liz would like to do with the, the gender reform is to protect cis people. Cis people are not the ones that need protecting in any trans issues. Like, cis people are not the ones who are in danger. Trans people are the ones who are in danger and are dying. And the more that people realise this, the sooner things will change. I, th- I feel as though that, um, again, bathrooms are constantly being put up in conversation when talking about trans issues and it's so tiring that it's the same thing over and over again and you know trans people are continuing to educate people that we're not here to hurt anyone we just want to piss where we want to piss <laughs> and go and yeah it was the first issue that when when I read that yeah it was it was a horrible feeling to know that cis people are being prioritized in trans matters again and I think with with the way that media have been talking about this as well has a devastating effect on again the trans issues that we are faced with the fact that I think there were about four news outlets that I had seen that had said that children or under under 18s we're not going to get reassignments and that is obviously not the case. This sort of mindset that you're going to change your mind, I mean it dates back decades. You can't really sit there and say that there aren't cases that have happened because I'm sure there have been cases. You can't say it's a thing that wouldn't happen because again I'm, I'm sure these things have happened in the past but it's always something that is put under a limelight that trans people aren't, I don't know, who they say they are. And yeah, this whole rhetoric, it just gets very, it gets very tiring. (laughs) But you know, for people that aren't familiar with how trans people, some trans people go through their own personal journeys, having access to hormone blockers is a great start because you are delaying the process. And again, if it is something down the line that you, as a gender diverse person, you feel that actually I wouldn't like to completely change. I think everything's so personal, but a wide amount of trans people need this to survive. So it is one thing, yes. But again, I think it's come with with a price that government just don't understand the issues or are refusing to listen to what people actually need. I want this to end in a positive note, and it definitely will, but we have to sort of like address the things that are 
that need to be addressed. It's the fact that 100% media are twisting things and, you know, trans rights are only being thought about when or if it impacts cis people. And it's really not the case at all. We're a very small percentage, but when you really look at the statistics, there's millions of us out there and we're not having access to healthcare that we are entitled to. And I think when you put it as simply as that, I think it does tend to open people's eyes a little bit more. Try to avoid as much media as you possibly can. It's good to sort of create a protective bubble for yourself to survive. For me personally, what I tend to do is smash the block button and mute button on social media, particularly, (laughs) because I don't need to see it, you know? If, If it's just another person that's causing hatred and negativity towards trans people. I don't want to see that. Like, I I don't need to see it. What I will surround myself with is reliable sources and people out there who are positive influences for trans people. You have Jamie Windhurst, you have Monroe Bergdorf as two great British trans icons who are doing a lot of work for us and the movement. Surround yourself with those kind of energies. Connect with other trans people because really all we have at the bottom line is each other. That's one of the best ways to do it really is to just mute and block. <laughs> it sounds so bad. It's really difficult to really like put into That's what words, it's come you know? to. I I think completely. I think we need we need to read the facts and by reading the facts you have to check more than one source. Yeah. Because every single source will give you a different number and a different Don't read the Daily Mail. Yeah. Don't read the Daily Mail ever. Just, just delete it. Just block Not it. Not even just for trans issues, just stop. <laughs> yeah, just don't just don't even don't even erase the words from your mind. Um and then you know, again, like you said, you've got to connect. There's so many incredible queer people out there that are speaking the truth, that are being creative, that are making things really just like, you know, making the best of it and also supporting people and, you know, encouraging us to support one another. And I think particularly like you coming on to Queer Talk and sharing your story and things like this, like it all just benefits people. It all just brings us together even closer. Um, I agree. And that's that's really important. That's it. Unity is so key in these times. And I think as well, allyship is so important because we really do need um, the allyship of cis people. Even within the LGBT community, we have to have our allies who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, etc. stand by trans people for this fight for equality. We need cis people to wake up and we need them particularly to help lead us in this movement. Engage with more trans people. If, If you're finding that on social media, it's not diverse. And honestly, sometimes I sit there and I look at people's accounts I'm like, girl, I mean, you could really spice everyone that listening, up. everyone uh, listening, Kieran just, just rolled their eyes. <laughs> um, which, which, just, which just says it all. It just says, <gasps> it explains it completely. You can probably hear the eye roll, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, I heard it. Like, the, my, my laptop just, like, shook. <laughs> Go support trans people. Go like their Instagram pics. Go follow them. Go listen to their music. Get involved with them. Don't hesitate to engage with them as well. Just think, is that appropriate for me to engage with them with a question that is completely unprovoked? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, definitely engage with more trans people. There's so many different means and ways that you can really support trans people. Really, the key one is listening. Listen to us. Yeah. You need to just speak to people and treat people with kindness. Like, if you you have a question for a non-binary or trans person, 
it probably is inappropriate because you wouldn't ask that question to yourself if someone asked you that question like how would you take it like instead why not just be like damn your makeup's good wow I love what you're saying oh I hear you but what have you have you thought about this have a real normal conversation yes you don't you don't need to be all weird about it oh god yeah I think we've very much given people way too much to think about and also nothing to think about don't think just do like just be better do better be better support trans and non-binary people and just please just just try harder but yes i think um no it's been great it's been great thank you very much for having me on the show it's been a super cute chat and we i think we covered everything from gaming to makeup to the absolute um audacity of our government so thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for chatting with us and um we'll speak to you soon oh gotcha And that, everyone, is the end of episode seven of Queer Talk. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. And if you listen to us on iTunes, please don't forget to share and rate because it helps us out massively. You can also keep the conversation going via the socials. We are on Instagram at queer underscore talk. And on Twitter, we are at queer talk underscore. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.